Yeah, uh, you know, as, as people, as you know, I'm sure everyone's been seeing the buzz. If you don't know what NFT is, or if you didn't before, you know, four weeks ago, um, and what the heck uh, all the buzz is about, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Start with the 101 of NFT and uh, maybe a little bit of the business case and the technology behind it. Um, and then why the heck someone would buy a half million dollar house on Mars that's not actually a real house. I don't understand it, but I'm really excited to learn more about that um, and how that value grows. And then, uh, and then we'll dive into a little bit on how to start creating your own if you feel like you have something of value and uh, how to sell it, where to build it, what that make, what works from that. So, um, who wants to start with the 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 101 on NFT? So how about I'll start with kind of the part of it and then hand it over to Shannon for how it actually works. So um, NFT 101, NFT stands for non-fungible token. Um, that's important. The difference between non-fungible and fungible. Um, non-fungible uh, means it's hard to exchange that with something that's like it. Fungible, which is a lot easier to use in an actual example, means it's easy to exchange. A dollar bill is fungible. Every dollar bill can be exchanged for another dollar bill. Um, and so it's easy to replace and goods and services are typically easy to buy because we all understand all those dollar bills are worth the same. Yeah. Uh, physical art is non-fungible. Uh, anytime you look at a piece of physical art, there are a million different properties about that artwork that creates value to it, including your own perception of art. Um, mm. Therefore, it is non-fungible. So an NFT is a non-fungible token. It's being able to take that concept like physical art and convert it to the digital world. So we all have things, digital files and creations that we've made that are not easily to place a value on it. Bitcoin is a fungible digital asset. Every Bitcoin is always and will always be worth one Bitcoin. So no matter which Bitcoin you have, you'd be able to exchange it for another Bitcoin. Um, but if you create a picture in Photoshop, you take a photo, let's say, digital photo, put it in Photoshop, do some filter and editing, it's got unique value to it. You can turn it into an NFT. And now you have that same, you know, the digital equivalent of the physical art. Um, so that is essentially what an NFT, what NFT means and what it is. So I guess, Shannon, you kind of go through what it means to own an NFT and how that actually works. Yeah, so I'm going to um, back up a little bit and uh, describe some of the properties of blockchain. So an, an NFT token, um, similar to um, how Eric described uh, at Bitcoin, um, an NFT is created on a blockchain network as well. Um, and it, they, they're created at this point on many blockchain networks, the most popular uh, being Ethereum. Now, the interesting thing that blockchain brings to the table is it allows um, the world basically to now create digital things that have scarcity. Um, so before blockchain was around, you can uh, think of like an MP3, right? So you, you have an MP3, it's, uh, it's music. And if you copy it from CD to your hard drive, right? You've, you've made a copy. Now two of those copies exist. Let's say you email it to somebody. Well, that email hops through multiple servers um, and to arrive at its final destination in somebody's inbox. Um, so through that process, 
there's probably been seven, 15, 50 different copies of that individual file made. So the idea of um, digital scarcity didn't exist before blockchain. Um, what blockchain introduces is this um, the ability to sort of apply physical, tangible properties to digital items. So um, the idea of the, the first implementation really was a cryptocurrency. The idea being that if I have a Bitcoin and I send it to Jake, I no longer have that Bitcoin. Jake has it. It's never in the will mail. Will you send me a Bitcoin? Because I'll take it right now. If you're Same. I will. I Same. will send you a butt coin after. There we go. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> again. <Butt> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> right. So with with NFT, so yeah, um, blockchain really introduced this idea of cryptocurrency, this uh, this digital currency that acts like it's tangible. It's, you know, it's only ever in one place, period. So you only ever have one copy of it. Um, then as people began experimenting with the blockchain, they decided, well, instead of creating a token that there's, uh, you know, 21 million of them, what happens if I uh, create just one of them and I associate an, uh, a file with it? Um, some of the earliest NFTs were um, meme images. Their uh, rare mm -hmm. Pepe was one of the uh, one of the first that I can remember. And what people would do is they would create this uh, really funny meme image. They would uh, create a digital copy of it. Um, they would create three or four of them and then gift them to people or sell them as these scarce images. Right? You can only, if there's four of them made, you can only ever own four of them total. Um, so it, it, it sort of uh, gives to the user this, this exclusivity, right? So um, going back to the music example. Um, so real quick, you know, about the Rare Pepe. If I'm looking at something Rare, Rare Pepe, that's not the NFT version because I have access to it just on Google, right? But if, if there's a specialty one that's created, the only way to access it is either to be an overlooking the shoulder of the person who actually like owns it, right? Or some way of sharing sharing that hey look what i just got kind of thing so uh, similar similar to um to physical art you can go to a museum and you can stand and stare at the mona lisa Now you don't own the mona lisa but you can look at it right so similar to so if you're looking at a, at a rare pepe online you're looking at the image you could take a picture of it you could screenshot it you could uh you know go to the go to uh you know, Kinko's or whatever, and print out a bunch of copies of it. And it's still not the original, right? You still right. don't own the original Mona Lisa. It's at the Louvre and whoever, whoever owns it is, has it on display. Um, an NFT is very similar. You can just, you can display it. People can see it. People can take screenshots of it and copy it. They can recreate it, but only one person actually owns the original NFT version and they own it by having a wallet on the blockchain. So and you can think of the Mona Lisa example is great. You can walk into, I'm sure, like Walmart and buy a print of the Mona Lisa. Right. Doesn't mean you own the Mona Lisa. But you have a print. It looks like it. You right. Mm -hmm. What would tell the difference if you put it in a fancy frame. That's interesting. So, Shannon, Eric, I want to touch you a little bit about this. Um, NFTs have been the thing that I've probably spent more than – more time reading about in the last two months than probably just about anything else in the world. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Talk to us about the difference about owning, like being the owner and creator of the object that then gets put up 
to be sold as a non-fungible token to being the actual owner of the non-fungible token and when does what what is ownership and the i guess talk to me a little bit about what the the difference in ownership is between maybe like an artist and the person that then buys the artwork from the artist so similarly to how a traditional artist would um, create a bunch of unique pieces, they might have a gallery showing and they might sell the art pieces, um, you know, at their at the showing or out of the gallery. Um, you know, the artist creates the piece, then they um, sell it either directly or through an art dealer, and then the um, the current owner of the art or the purchaser of the artwork is the current owner. Now, if they sell it, let's say they, they sell it at auction, um, there's now a new owner. There's only ever one owner of that original piece of art. Um, and historically, um, you know, we've tracked what's called provenance through paper ledgers. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, an item, a piece of artwork is more valuable if you can track um, all the way back to the original artist. So what that means mm -hmm. is you can say, all right, so this piece of art was created by Rembrandt. It was uh, created for um, this, uh, you know, person in power, then they then it got stolen and it went in and it got, uh, you know, it got relocated. And um, then it was donated to this gallery, and then this gallery auctioned it off to this gallery, and so on and so forth. So you've got this, um, uh, this, this provenance, this, this link all the way back to the original artist. <clears throat> that's one of the things that blockchain brings also is because the blockchain is uh, relatively transparent. You can track it all the way back to the original artist. Yeah. There's another part of that. Um, just part of the question you're asking is how do you define IP and who owns the IP? Um, which there's a lot of legal discussion around, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. but ultimately today for most, especially when you're talking about art, um, there's the equivalency of the real world where when you, when you buy the, uh, the NFT, you own that particular, you know, the NFT, of that picture, but you mm -hmm. don't own the underlying, underwriting, underlying copyright of that picture. The original artist owns it still. And the platforms oh, nice. that sell NFTs, a lot of them are starting to include, you know, the IP rights and the copyright rights of the so NFT in a game in a virtual world, you can get paid for it as opposed to just like totally. Yeah, yeah that's really, lots of really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting what's happening from an IP perspective too. And the reason that's important because ultimately, NFT, NFTs are here to stay because our digital lives are not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. Um, and so, as there's more clarity on IP and the platforms pick up on it. I think you're going to see more and more mainstream artists, whether it's, you know, creative arts, music, et cetera, using NFTs for distribution. And once they're using it for distribution, the platforms that we use every day to say, play music or view art are also going to change. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I like their feel like you can totally bypass some of the schmucks at Apple and Spotify and allow you to just re completely release my album because I'm, Whatever, I'm Mumford and Sons. I can just go. Yeah, do it. Lincoln Park did that, didn't they? That's right. They did. Yeah. A lot of artists, a lot of artists are doing it. And what Shannon said is really, really Makes important so because, <laughs> because one of the things with that ledger we can do now is every time we move that album or piece of art, 
we can build into the NFT that the original artist gets compensation. So cool. And that's automatic. Um, so, you know, piracy, um, all those other things can start really changing a lot to benefit the artists. Eric, Shannon, one, I, I have another quick question that's totally unrelated, but kind of related to what you just said. Um, <laughs> do you see this maybe going, you know, I know like, for instance, uh, I'm thinking of like video games, for example. I know a lot of video game companies have had problems with companies like GameStop, not GameStop that's going to the moon, but GameStop like as the physical store, right? Um, mm -hmm. Do you see, a, and I know they're doing like digital downloads that can only be downloaded once and things of that nature. Do you think that that might be a direction that allows like EA Sports, for instance, to sell something as an NFT? You can own it and then you could potentially sell it to somebody else, but EA may still get, you know, a kickback of that because I know that that's where they're, their beef has been. Where do you see, I guess that question then expanding from that, uh, where do you see the, the, the next movement in, in business going with, with NFTs? So the exciting thing about NFTs and the reason that everybody has heard um, the word NFT probably 500 times over the past month is that um, a lot of different companies and artists and uh, industries are really trying to experiment with these capabilities. So it's hard to say where we're, what we're going to see. I think we're going to see all of it. Um, we're going to see companies that are experimenting with um, first sale rights. We're going to see companies like mm -hmm. Eric described um, who are trying to solve um, copyright and uh, piracy yeah. issues, DRM issues. Um, we're going to see um, just some group or some people that just want to create art and, and sell pieces of art. Um, Eric, do you have any other I, thoughts I, on that? I have a great, a great one for, for everyone to look into. So Nike um, issued a patent, was issued a patent recently, and they're starting to sell real shoes that's backed by an NFT. And the NFT also has, you know, that real shoe in it. And so that's interesting, of course. But mm. what's really interesting about it is they've taken it a step further and made it so when you own that little NFT of your shoe, it's kind of like a crypto kitty. And what crypto kitties do is if you own a crypto kitty and somebody else owns another one or you own both, they're just different. You can basically merge them together and create, you know, like a baby, you know, some version of the two of them. So now they're doing the same thing with the digital part of the shoe. So you, you own the real shoe. You can wear it. It's a regular Nike. You own the NFT of it. You own maybe another shoe that's different. Well, you can put those two NFTs together, have the little shoe that comes out of it, and then they'll go ahead and create that shoe. What? I have a shoe babies. Shoe babies. Yeah, it, it, so like, it's I like can, a Tamagotchi. I can meet someone be like, man, I like those shoes. You like my shoes. Let's get together and get a right. baby. Have little shoe babies, which so, is crazy, real, right? Real quick question. And then also for the viewers who are watching, if you have any questions, like we all do, please ask them, add us, comment, yeah. ask the questions. Um, so how does one, so let's say like, I want to get an NFT, create an NFT. I don't know the exact verbiage, become an NFT. Um, how how do sell yourself, go? prostitute a, yourself as an NFT? Yeah, listen, I'm, Digitally. I'm going to go a little Nas style with those shoes. But um, how do you how do you go about like creating one? So like, there how does that happen? Of, 
there are a number of platforms that exist um, currently. And um, if you watch or if you read the the news about crypto, the cryptocurrency space, it seems like there's a new um, platform popping up every week. Yeah, that will allow uh, an artist to pretty simply just upload an image, upload a video, um, or link to an existing video or image and pay for the creation of an NFT or a set of NFTs or collection of NFTs. And um, it's, it's really pretty straightforward to create them. Now it gets complicated when you um, try to sell them or transfer them to other people or explain to somebody how I'm, how they're, you know, you're going to give it or sell it to somebody that's yeah. never heard of such a thing before. That's the complicated part right now. Creating them um, is relatively straightforward. Um, you just, you know, pick a platform that's got features you're looking for and, you know, walk through the steps. I was, I was thinking about this so, too. If you have people that are missing out on first editions because then you just can't get that kind of stuff anymore, you can, in theory, bring value back to a, a first edition. If I went through, you know, like Amazon has their self-publishing platform for a book, right? If they were to add a bolt-on of NFT to that, then when I publish that book, it can have an NFT token or NFT that's redundant, isn't it? But whatever <laughs> NFT token tied to it. Um, that'll be like, this is the first hundred sold, whatever. Right. And then you can trade those first 100 later on a different, right. asset. but so it, it would, I have to go through, like say for that book example, you said that those, some of those different platforms have different features on that. Right. So it's like, is there ones that are more specific to art and more specific to print and more specific to music or, or whatever? Is that what you mean by that? Or can you help me understand? Yeah. That? Yes, there are. There are, there are some that are, that are geared specifically towards music and there are some that are geared specifically towards uh, unique pieces of physical art. Um, there was a platform I read about this morning that is exclusively for, um, high value artwork. So Damien Hurst is going to be the first one to release a bunch of yeah. NFTs that are based, uh, backed by physical paintings. Um, so crazy. Yeah, that's exactly right. Did you hear about that? Alex Ramirez malice who sold his NFT recordings of his farts for $85 each. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's tight. I, like, I, I can do that for $50. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for 10. I'll, I'll, undercut, I'll undercut you. So a few questions that came in. So Dan from a little bit earlier, historic yeah. colored coins considered NFTs? I haven't heard about colored coins. Uh, colored coins were, they weren't, I don't think they were actually technically NFTs, but they are basically considered the very first NFT. And that was like, I think 2012. Wow. Um, it was really early. Um, so I think the answer to the question would be yes, for sure. Right. And then Yeah, there were some, there were right. some pieces that are there are some elements of um, NFT technology that have been around for um, years before the term NFT was actually used commonly. And then one question from Pedro goes, what, so back to the shoe question, would that give the owner of the shoe NFT, NFT, and NFT compensation? Um, I don't know enough about their patent or how they're going to use it. Uh, but it's out there in public. So my guess is that's not defined in the patent or the patent will probably have a return mechanism back to the original person, whether Nike would actually do that or not. I mean, you know, they probably don't have to. Right. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool if they do. Yeah. Um, cool. One of the I things that are being about Nike, they won't. Yeah. 
and that's one of the things that's being experimented with heavily right now is um, ownership rights. So who owns who owns the underlying work? Who lo- who owns the derivative work? And with blockchain, you can build in these rules that specify, um, you know, what happens when a uh, when an NFT is transferred. Um, and you know, one of those rules might be, like Eric said, um, some amount of the sale goes back to the original artist or um, some NFTs might not even be allowed to be transferred from person to person. They might be, you know, they might have a rule that says they can only be sold once. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, and that's why we see so many different NFT uh, news items is because everybody's just trying to throw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall and really see what sticks and see what people want. Because um, up until recently, this whole idea of uh, digital scarcity didn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. You know, digital but- items were... We're still we're cheap and almost valueless. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. I think you still have to educate people, even though that exists now, right? Because yeah, the right is in the the eye of the buyer, right? <laughs> yeah, and and I think what happens is so. Let's use another example: um, concert tickets. So yeah. concert tickets, the secondary market for concert tickets is notoriously bad. It's really really difficult to beat concert you know ticket mm-hmm. brokers to get that first allotment of the best tickets, and then they resell them for. It's so much more than face value. Well, if all those tickets were NFTs, you can write rules in, like Shannon was saying, to disincentivize the resale of it. And so if the resale of it is, you know, next to impossible because they're unable to be transferred or the cost of the transfer is so much that the ticket broker wouldn't have any incentive to do it, then all of a sudden you're removing that from the equation and you're removing all the scalpers and other things that make it hard to get tickets to a concert or an event. Yeah, there's been a lot of these secondary markets that have been difficult to control um, and to the point where where most industries had stopped trying to control the secondary markets. Right. So in in this case, say I am a secret millionaire and I want to buy a gallery of digital art and I want to buy a bunch of, you know, I want to buy that house on Mars rendering and I want to buy whatever. How do I show that off so that I can show people how rich I am digitally? PowerPoint slides. And what the heck? Yeah, like what? Like what the? Heck? It's not like you're gonna like bring someone back to your house and be like slide projector where an art would have been, but it's digital, so I don't have it on my wall. How the heck? Well, like, well why don't you have it on your wall? Yeah, I don't know. There are t- you can throw it on your TV. I mean, everything's digital, right? There are TVs that look like pictures watch the office. really well. Um, I want to watch the office. <laughs> like, I want to keep the office rolling all the time. Oh, well, that's, <laughs> art. And that's a personal problem and why you're not a secret or a realist. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that just like anything, everything we do has become more digital. There are digital art galleries. People are going to walk in them. There are going to be physical art mm-hmm. galleries with digital works in them. That's where people are going to view it. Hey, here's a free here's a free business idea. Somebody totally. could take all the old uh, all the old iPads and uh, digital tablets, repurpose them, put picture frames around them, and then hook them up to some NFT uh, wallet. So you could actually then you know repurpose these old this old technology, hang them up in your, uh, hang them up in your house and your office and have those, you know, digitally display your NFTs. Um, I saw, I think it was this morning. Um, so I'm giving a plug to somebody out there. 
she, a woman created a necklace and she created a little frame around like old uh, Apple watches. Hmm. And that just displays her little uh, NFT art on her <laughs> necklace. Hmm. So, wow. it's, you know, all this stuff is happening. It's all, it's happening. It's happened in every other industry. We listen to a hundred percent. It's going to take a while for me to get used to Eric. I'm not going to lie. Oh, well from, from, cause we all we're so focused on like the, the, Art. When was the right. last time you bought a really expensive painting? Never. Couple weeks. Most people haven't. And even very wealthy people, when they buy these paintings, they're not really buying them to display in their homes. They donate mm -hmm. them to galleries. And, you know, they use them as a store of value. If something were to happen, they know they could sell them. But typically they don't even do that. They might pass them on through their family or just, you know, just completely donate 100% of it to the gallery. Because they need the tax write uh, right, you yeah. got tax write-off. There's uh, tax write-offs donating NFT art to a gallery at this point. Oh, I would almost guarantee that that would that that would work. Yeah, Sh Shannon. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to ask you a question. Um, so obviously NFTs are everywhere, right? We've been talking about them for the last right two months on Twitter. Well, I've been talking about longer on Twitter, but really the last couple months because of NBA Top Shot, and then obviously you know because of the Beeple. Um, you know, selling for what sixty nine million dollars, and mm -hmm. then NBA Top Shot just a couple of days ago, they announced their valuation is two point six billion dollars. Where did this come from? Like, it, it, kind of, it kind of seemed like it came from yeah. nobody. I mean, except kind of the that I mean this in the most yeah. respectful way possible. Kind of the fringe corners of the internet to now it is main you know mainstay conversation. Where where can it go from here? And is this, I, I guess, convince our listeners, you don't have to convince me, but convince our listeners that this is like something that they should be interested in that's like here to stay and not just like the latest fad. So I can actually take a, um, I can sort of deviate away from the art for a few minutes and, uh, you know, go, go back to when we were all children. Now, um, if everybody here didn't collect baseball cards or non-sports cards or, um, Pokemon cards for, for that matter. Um, I can pretty much guarantee that everybody here at least was one or two people away from somebody who did, right? We had friends who collected uh, sports cards. Um, and one, one of the things that came with the, uh, the collection of these, uh, these sports cards or the non-sports cards were the, um, the element of trading, the element of, uh, of chasing for a rare card. Um, yeah. This has been a this is a was a massive industry when we were children and it still is. Um, so now these now companies have the ability to do the same thing over again, but with digital with digital items and make them a lot more advanced, right? Like Eric was describing, um, somebody could come up with a uh, a method to take two digital cards, so to speak, so two NFTs, combine them together, and now you've got a new special kind of of, uh, of card you, you couldn't really do this with uh with baseball cards in the past you could you know collect a whole bunch of cards you have a, a whole bunch of duplicates and you've got three rare cards you could trade the rare cards or the duplicates with your friends and so on and so forth yeah. um that industry is going to see a resurgence i think um that's one of the areas that i'm really interested in that's and sort of what it's one of the um the idea started i think it was really main 
made mainstream with the fringe community, if that's possible. Can the can the fringe have a mainstream? Anyway, CryptoKitties starts there. It always starts at the fringe and then goes mainstream. You need the fringe, right? <laughs> and CryptoKitties really made it uh, made it popular with the fringe community, and they did. Uh, high school. What was that fringe? Yeah, I'll say fringe. fringe. Say it's fringe. fringe. Kitties was my nickname in high school. Sorry, <laughs> bad joke. Keep going. I'm sorry. DJ CryptoKitties. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because the it's if you buy up enough NFTs right now, you'll just be prepared for when we get plugged into the matrix and be able to bring everything fully virtual. I mean, I say it tongue in cheek, but there's, there's so many people. I mean, there's a, there's a company here and I won't say their name cause I want to dog them a little bit, but there's a company here that four years ago they were signing us as a client. And I was so angry at their customers for buying so much money inside their company because it was to me, it was like you don't actually live here, and they were huge in Japan, and they basically you could buy a real hundred thousand dollar condo in their virtual world, and people did so, it. This is this is before. Yep. I think they weren't even using NFT. Like, there's no real way no, to no. Actually own that condo even in the virtual world, and, and people they, they didn't pack that right. on the platform. Yeah, so that was the other uh, another industry that I think is um, really going to take off, um, and people. And again, these uh, companies and industries have been experimenting with these ideas for quite a few years. They've only recently discovered that blockchain is uh, one of the answers to the problems they had. So you yeah. were describing um, in-game items. Yes. Um, one of the industries I worked in uh, previously to this was uh, the buying and selling of in-game currency. So uh, World Warcraft currency or... Yep. Um, and, and so there was, a, basically I worked for a company that participated in a secondary market for, for this in-game currency. There was no way for the video game companies to sell, um, say, uh, World of Warcraft gold directly to their users. Um, but mm. their clever users were like, oh, hey, this is, a, this is a scarce item. It takes me you know, hours and hours and hours to farm right. this currency in this video game. I can mail the currency inside the game to another user. Oh, you know what else I could do? I could call up my friend and say, hey, I'll sell you a bunch of gold for 50 bucks. Well, that's the birth of a secondary market. The issue that wow. these video game companies had was these were records in a database, right? So there were glitches in the game where some clever hacker could come in and they could say, all right, I'm going to take this gold, I'm gonna mail it to myself and I'm gonna quickly disconnect from the game before, my, uh, before the mail goes out. Okay, now log back in, now I've got, I've mailed the currency to myself, but it's still in my wallet. So they would create this duplicates of this currency and then they would just create, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of this currency and sell it and flood the market. Um, because there's there was no concept then of digital scarcity. Um, I mean, kind of like so the, what government does to companies. To, yeah, yeah. So they invented yeah. the first money printer for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now, fake money. <laughs> but with blockchain, now these these companies, these the actual um, video game companies themselves can directly sell these assets because they know that they're unique. They just they cannot be duplicated. They cannot be copied. Um, so there, there's no need for a secondary market anymore. Yeah, I think there's a really good point there. This stuff is not new. It just never had a real, real anything behind it to make it official. Let's say people right. have been your digital collectibles. That's the people have been collecting things digitally for years before blockchain. Yeah. Um, so now we have a way to actually do that, make it meaningful.
in game currency. Games are, of course, the big example. People have been paying people pay hundred thousand dollars for a sword, in mm -hmm. you know? and so now so, we have all this interesting technology to enable those transactions to be real and good. You heard it here first, folks. NFT financing. That's going to be my yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So, Eric, I got a question, or and Shane too. Would you say so? This just popped in my head that all of this is moving towards VR. Like all, like like I think like in my mind, it's like we're buying everything virtual now, yeah. right? So then that really kind of pushes virtual VR headsets. We're gonna have art galleries. I I could pop into Jake Shepard's art gallery in my in my headset and view all of his NFTs. Is that kind of a thing? Maybe I don't know. That's definitely where the technology is going. This is uh, this can be viewed as a, a precursor to that, um, and augmented reality as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that yeah. we'll probably be, see augmented reality galleries before we see um, virtual reality galleries. Just the, the 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 quality isn't there. The technology is not quite there for virtual reality yet. Yeah. Um, it's not there for augmented reality yet either. But I see the augmented reality um, taking off or you know being there a little bit sooner. Yeah. The idea being that with augmented reality, I could walk into, um, say, uh, say Jake's house and he doesn't have his NFTs displayed. But if I, uh, you know, but if I join his Wi-Fi and I happen to have my augmented reality glasses, Ooh. then, you know, his walls transform and I see all of his all of his digital art while I'm actually, you know, physically interacting with him and Sorry. in a physical space. Ooh, that'd be cool. That's the true secret millionaire. That'd be that'd be super cool to walk into someone's house without those on, and it's like there's literally it's all all white walls everywhere and like nothing anywhere, and you're like, oh, here, just put this on, and it's completely decorated. So mm -hmm. that, that'd be sick. Yeah. Augmented reality is awesome. It's accessible. Doesn't require big goggles. You could you, today. We could do it today. You just use your phone. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think that's that's where it's at right now. Uh, so uh, Pedro had a comment. So it's crazy interesting being in a generation that went from living in a mostly analog world to full digital. I didn't have a cell phone until late teens. Now kids can't comprehend a world without them. And then now we're talking about, obviously. I mean, I can't comprehend it without it now. <laughs> Dude, I didn't get a high school. I, I didn't get my phone until high school. High school, ninth grade. And the only reason why I got it is because I was in marching band. And we got home late from football games. <laughs> that is <laughs> Yeah, I am. Um, Nashville as a drummer. Will Will this make our pr paper baseball cards more valuable? Going back to the card thing. Well, they could, right? Theoretically, um, I could, or a company could, um, that had created. They say uh, tops, for example, since they're in the news. Um, I have some rare tops baseball cards. Um, you know, Tops could come out with a um, a series of NFTs where if you actually have the physical card and you own the NFT, you bundle them together, and now it's worth twice as much. Mm -hmm. Or if you can can sell them on a uh, on a marketplace and you can offer the um, this doesn't wouldn't need Tops participation at all. But let's say there was a there was a marketplace where I could bundle a physical good and a digital good. Tops created a you know, digital representations of these old baseball cards. And I know that I've got the, the physical baseball card. I could go ahead and offer at auction the digital version and the physical version to have added value. So it's, it's completely possible to 
have a resurgence in the uh, the physical scarce items. Um, yeah. That would be nice because I've got an attic full of, uh, <laughs> of worthless paper cards in my. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the most one of the most exciting things to me about NFTs is the connection between the digital and the physical world. You know, anything you can think of. If you buy, I, I use music a lot as an example because I love it and I want to see that industry completely disrupted. Um, but if you buy a, an NFT, an album, you know, an NFT album, let's call it, um, you you as the owner of that album can constantly be rewarded because now the the artist is is almost directly connected to their consumer, um, and they they don't know specifically who that consumer is, but they know because they know from their the record on the ledger how to reach that consumer, so they could create a new track, you know, six months later and reward all the people who purchased that NFT album by sending it directly to them. Um, you know, maybe all the people who purchased it the first 30 days or yeah. maybe a time. And it's specific only for them. They're the only ones who can get it. That's interesting because even if you're, especially the first 100 or for, like the first ones, you know, the people that wait in line for something, even if they only use NFT for that part about like, I'm the first 100 to buy this book when it came out or this concert ticket or whatever. And you get a shirt with it. It just makes it easier to know that, or you can trade that whole thing of like, yeah, this is a golden ticket. It's just virtual, you know, or just digital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that the baseball card example thing is interesting too, because if there's an NFT version of it, I can go, if I go to a, a game where that player is playing now, obviously that wouldn't work for those old cards, but if I go to a game where that player is playing, um, I might get like something special on the card. So it increases the value of the card. It makes Dang. it totally unique from every other card because people who have that card didn't go to the game or didn't check in or do something. Yeah, man. I can't imagine how big, uh, you know, uh, unreal engine or Epic is going to take some of this for this in-game stuff here soon. I mean, that's why they're buying that campus. I guarantee they're like, yeah, we're about to be even bigger. Just wait, you know, yep. it's just nuts. Um, I, we're, we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes. I wanted to give you a chance to plug emblem vault, talk about a little bit about yeah. that, that platform, how it's, how it's accessible, um, to others or not and, and how it ties into this, uh, this topic. So Eric and I have, um, been working on an, an NFT platform for, um, for a handful of years now, um, well before in, uh, NFTs became popular. Well, um, cool. we, we foresaw that, that this uh, this idea of digital scarcity that NFTs were going to take off once once the world really figured out what they were and what the uh, what the value was behind them. Um, so we sort of we tried to say um, see all right let's see a little bit beyond that like what are people going to what are some tools that people are going to need once they start um, buying and trading and collecting these NFTs. So we developed a platform called Emblem Vault that is. Um, analogous to an envelope or a shipping container um, or a piggy bank, for instance. So that will allow you to, um, basically what we do is we, we uh, allow you to create a unique NFT. This is your NFT. And um, you can include an image or an audio or a video um, to be the cover of that NFT, very similar to some a lot of the other NFTs on the market. Um, but what really is interesting is is within that NFT, you can is a fully um, fully encrypted cryptocurrency wallet. Now within that, so now within that um, NFT, you can store other NFTs. So you can create um, collections of NFTs. So I could um, put 
you know, some Top Shots NFTs, some Bitcoin and some CryptoKitties into this this emblem vault that is in itself an NFT. And then I could uh, sell it or gift it to um, to Eric. And now he can unwrap that. He can he can keep it as a collection of NFTs or a collection of NFTs and assets, or he can unwrap it and then, uh, you know, distribute it or do whatever he wants with them. Um, so we, uh, there's a, there's a couple so of my next Christmas, people are going to be like, all right, I need to be packaging of all the stuff I bought and give it to, you can literally make a digital, digital like gifts, especially if it's going to be in game stuff or whatever, that would be actually really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. My kids played any of that stuff because they're too young right now. That would be awesome to be able to buy it, put it to visually and be like, here's all these items for your game right now. <laughs> That'd be mm -hmm. sweet. We're getting there. Yeah. This idea for you guys. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be able to recreate this, uh, the, uh, the idea of, um, of the, of the baseball card, right? Like you'd go to the store, you can't see what's inside of it. You know, you spend $4 you open it up and you might get lucky enough to get something, uh, something rare inside of it. So I wanted to be able to create something that could, uh, could, could recreate that experience. And what we ended up with is uh, something that could do a whole bunch of different things that included. That makes perfect sense. Eric, do you have anything to add? We've got so many use cases that I, I there's yeah, no way I can cover I it all. I just like to say it's it's the it's one of the easiest ways to go ahead and just package a couple of things, create an NFT, and then push it out to a marketplace. Um, so for for many people, go check it out and just see what it's about, and then reach out to us if you have questions. Love that. Awesome. Well, y'all, thank you so much. I mean, I learned much more than I thought I was. <clears throat> yeah, I'm educated. Mainly because I thought I knew more, not because I wasn't expecting to learn from you guys. <laughs> um, but uh, Thank you so much for taking taking the time yeah, to meet. Thanks, with us. guys. Um, Y'all, for 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 uh, listening in. As you can see, you've got emblems uh, URL right there. Go check them out. Um, got some got some cool stuff. And uh, stay tuned for merch. You can find that on the unicornfinders.com. We will be here again next Thursday, ten thirty EST. And uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. This has been the Unicorn Finders. Have a great thanks, day. Thanks, everybody. Peace.